Welcome to the Gonna Love Me Too podcast, where we discuss dating, relationships, and absolutely everything self-growth. This is the podcast where important topics meet progress and where wisdom and weirdness collide. I am your host, John Polo. I'm a coach, author, speaker, and now a podcast host. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? The title of today's episode is, I want to know how you fight. And I have a special guest on today's episode, my client and friend, Karen Coyle. Karen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, John. It's awesome to be here. Thank you. So I'm going to bring Karen on with me here in a few moments. But before I do, I want to set the stage a bit for this episode. About a month ago, I made a post on my social media. And it was a short video of me talking, about 50 seconds. And I titled it, I want to know how you fight. So I want to read to you what I said that day. Here's what I said. Everyone wants to talk about what's your love language. And that's important. No doubt about it. But I also want to know, how do you argue? Or how do you fight? Do you want to talk about it right away? Or do you need your space? Are you able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and see their point of view? Or are you never, ever, ever wrong? Do you hit below the belt? Or are you able to communicate in a clear and respectful way? Always keeping things above the fray. When you're looking to date someone, when you're looking to see if you wanna be in a relationship with someone, Discovering how they love is vitally important. But what is also important is discovering during the moments in which not everything is going to be so lovey-dovey, just how that person is going to behave. Okay, so that was the video of what I said on my social media, or that was the text of, of the video of what I said on my social media, which leads us to the episode today. So Karen is a client turned friend and we were doing a session last week and I mentioned the idea of her being on an episode of one of my podcasts, either this podcast or the other one I have about grief and healing. And she said she was game and that she would love to. So I presented her with a few options of things that we could talk about. And the last one that I presented her with, I was a little worried about. I made it clear that that one might be too personal. I didn't tell her this, but in my head, I was also thinking, but that's also the most impactful topic that we could talk about. And it just so happens that that is the topic she chose. So Karen, let me bring you back on here today, as well as your puppy Miska, who I can see out of the corner of my eye is climbing on top of your head as we speak. (laughs) Yes, he's so helpful. He is a little lover and always demands your attention, which I love. Anytime we're doing a coaching session, Miska is there with us. Yes, he actually has to have his two cents every day. (laughs) Okay. So thank you again for being here today and your willingness to talk about some difficult things. Yes, because it's important. It's important information for people to hear. I agree. So you were with your husband, Alan, for 31 years before he passed away. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what your relationship 
and then your marriage was like? Um, it was interesting. I, I kind of blamed his um, sun sign. He was a Virgo, but he did a whole lot of come here, come here, come here, go, get away, get away, get away, come here, get away, get away, come here. So he couldn't really settle on whether he wanted me in his life or not. And finally, I moved in with him. And later, he actually told me that had I not moved in with him, he didn't think we would still because I'm not sure why. But um, so, you know, all marriages have their ups and downs. And we had a number of both. So basically, one day, you know, he wants to be with you. He's all about it. Come closer, come closer. And then the next day, he's pushing you away. Is that, is yes. that what I'm hearing? Yes, that's correct. How long did just that, how long did that last for? 31 years. Okay. So the entire marriage? Yes. How much back and forth was it? Was it literally like Monday he wants me close, Tuesday he does it? Uh, it could be, yeah, depending on where he was at at the time, yeah. Okay. So I want to go back to that in a second. Let me ask you this question. How did he love you? How did Alan love you? How did he show his love? How often did he show his love? All those type of things. Okay. Um, he showed me he loved me by uh, caring for me. He did all the cooking and he did uh, amazing cooking. Uh, he didn't think that he was any kind of chef, but he made chef quality food. You good? Miska muted, Miska muted me. Oh, yeah. um, her puppy muted her. Okay, Miska. I got a show to run here. <laughs> look, this little monster right here. He's cute as a bug's ear. Pomeranian, strong-willed, pain in my ass sometimes. There, put him Miska, down. Go play in the yard for a second. <laughs> uh, hi. So he, he would cook food for me, and uh, he prepared amazing things. He didn't think he had chef quality food, but he produced chef quality food every day. Uh, if he saw something that he thought would look good on me, he would purchase it. And but I hate clothes shopping. I hate, hate, hate clothes shopping. With a passion, I would get pissy as hell every time he wanted me to shop for clothes. <laughs> so what we did was we would go to the store and he would select like a couple things for me to try on. I'd go to the dressing room and he would keep shopping and he would find different outfits for me to try on. So he loved it. He loved clothes shopping and he loved dressing me up. So um, that was how he showed me he loved me. So he cooked for you. He, he would, you know, see something special that he thought you might like and he would buy it for you. He, he showed you he loved you more with acts, correct? Yes, that's correct. He actually okay. bought me a washing machine once. Okay. So how was he as far as affection, like, you know, physical touch, those type of things, words of affirmation? Did he struggle with those things? Uh, yeah, he was pretty stingy with those things. Okay. He would tell me he loved me, but uh, physical affection, unless it was going to lead to sex, he was really not into that. Okay. How was that for you? dealing with that did that horrible it, okay tell, tell me more about it it made me feel like an object i didn't feel like i had 
any affection. I, I mean, I, I, I'm a toucher. I'm a toucher and a hugger. I talk with my hands. Um, I strafe at prohibitions on hugging children because if it's a hug, man, I'm giving them a hug. Right. And to be with someone who was not a hugger and not an affectionate toucher without some kind of big payoff at the end was strange for me. Okay. And it's weird that that was so important to me because that's not the kind of family I grew up in either. Well, for me, it's very, it was very important and I didn't have that. Right. So, I mean, when you grew up in a family that lacks that, you can go one of two ways. You also can lack that, right? Struggle with vulnerability, struggle with affection or that, that inner desire for it, which has been there for so long now, because even as a kid, you didn't get it. It just becomes more and more profound. And sometimes those people are even more affectionate and more loving. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I think that's what happened. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this question. How did Alan fight? The way he loved you was, you know, he showed his love with action as far as, you know, cooking for you, buying you things, that type of stuff. He struggled with vulnerability. He struggled with affection. And we'll get to more of this later in the episode, but I believe that those were Alan's issues and not a reflection of how he felt about you. How did he fight? Uh, He actually didn't fight. He withdrew all attention. Uh, Whatever little bits of affection I could get from him stopped. It was like I no longer existed. Okay. So because we've been working together for a while, you have used the words silent treatment a lot in our sessions. So he would give yes. you the silent treatment? Yes. Okay. And now how long would that last? Would it be a quick thing, a long thing? Uh, it could be anywhere from 24 hours to three to four weeks. Damn. That's, three to four I said weeks. weeks. Okay. Yes. And it was actually made more profound when during one such punishment uh he received a phone call from a friend and he was like his laughing fun self and then he hung up the phone and i thought okay well maybe we're over it nope ghosted me again it's really hard being ghosted by somebody when you're in the same room with them how would you handle it what would you do would you try to talk to him would you just be like all right this is how it is and now i gotta wait for a long time, I tried to talk to him about it. I'd say, did I do something? Did I say something? Why are you not talking to me? And I would just get grunts in return. Okay. At any point then, did you begin to say, okay, you know what? I'm not even going to try to talk to him. Like when he's ready, he will let me know. I did get there. And, and what I would do is it, in order to ease my mind, I would say to him, are you mad or are you processing? So I gave him an out and he would, would he always answer? say, I'm processing. Yeah. He would say, I'm processing. Okay. And then I'd say, okay, I'm here when you're ready to talk. And well, then see, I, I would just go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I'm sorry. I would just go on about my business until he was ready to talk. Okay. Cause obviously it wasn't working trying to make him talk. At some point, did it become less hard to deal with that? No. I lost count of the number of nights that I actually 
was sleeping with him while I was in bed with him and my back was to him, his back was to me and I was crying. Okay. I know for me, like, I think I used to be the type of person that would want to have it out right away. But that was more like when I really was kind of like fueled by anger as a human. And now that like, it takes a lot for me to get angry. I get frustrated easily. I get impatient easily. But anger, it takes a lot for me to get anger, angry. Um, And ever since I kind of have had that transformation, I now am the type of person that if I'm having an argument or even a fight with someone, I need my time to process it, right? Now, I don't, you know, thankfully, like, I don't do the silent treatment. That means it doesn't take you weeks. Right. Well, (laughs) I'll be honest. I'll be like, I need my space. I need to think about things. Um, So there is a profound difference between saying that to someone. I need some space. I need to think about things. I need to process things before we continue this discussion and just going radio silent. I mean, there's a difference. It's a huge difference. Yes. And that kind of goes in line with like the whole ghosting in today's society. Like, I mean, some people might think that this is extreme, but to me, ghosting is a little bit of a form of like a mental or emotional abuse. This person has just like disappeared. You have no idea if they're alive, if they're not alive, what you did, what's going on. I mean, it's very unfair to the person who's being ghosted, regardless of for whatever the reason is or whatever the relationship type was. Yes, exactly. And actually, it took me a long time and actually lots of work with you to realize that I had been emotionally abused, certainly by my husband, who I don't think realized how much he loved me until he was dying, and uh, from by my family before that. The one thing I will say, because I think it's important though, is as we were talking about everything and the relationships you've had with people, that was your own conclusion, right? Like I didn't say, hey, this is emotional abuse. That was a conclusion that you kind of came to. But the other conclusion that you came to, I think you could tell me if I'm wrong here or if I'm saying this the wrong way, is that Alan's behavior towards you was really not a reflection of how he felt about you. So I'm a big believer that, you know, well, I don't have to believe this. I know this. There are, you know, just over 7 billion people in this world, 7 billion. Here's where I'm a big believer comes into play. I think that any woman Alan would have married would have received the same treatment because that was about Alan's own interpersonal issues and not a reflection of you or his feelings towards you. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. No, I actually think you're right. And what you did and what you're so good at doing is you asked me the questions and gave me the space to process so that I could come to that conclusion on my own. You, you don't lead people to where you think they should go. You give right. them the space to go where they need to go. Right. And that's actually, that's a pretty rare talent and it's um, impressive. Thank you. Is Miska okay, by the way? <laughs> Wait, let's just check. She just wants to come up. <laughs> He's mommy, mommy, you left me, you left me. You put me down on the floor. Mommy, you're ghosting me. <laughs> yeah, Miska, Miska feels left out now. Okay, so let me ask you this question. How do you argue or how do you fight? What's your style? 
Uh, actually, I'm learning that because uh, in my childhood, I was never allowed to defend myself, to disagree, to fight. And in my marriage, he didn't fight. He didn't talk. He just shut down. So I'm actually learning how to do that. And I'm working on something right now where I'm going to have to give um, an entity some news that they don't want. And I'm trying to figure out how to do that without pissing them off and not shutting down community. So okay. it's a it's a progress. It, it, it's a work in progress. Progress. Can't well, talk. right, because I mean, we've talked about this throughout the years. Like, you never really feel you never really felt like you found your voice. I would say in yes. in your career you did, but not so much in your personal relationships. Right. So it's kind of. Um, I, I like to tell people when I need some space and I've actually said to kids who were being turkeys and I've said, you know what, right now I'm too angry to talk to you. I'll come back in a couple of minutes and we'll talk about this, Right. but it's only a couple of minutes and I go back. So I do like to confront, but I like to have time to think too. I just think there's such value in taking a breather but yeah. also communicating that to people like it's so important if you are in a relationship if you're out there right now and you're a 32 year old woman and you you know you have a boyfriend and you guys live together and you get into a fight and you need some space it's not about barging out of the house and going for an hour drive and he doesn't know if you're ever coming back it's about communicating to him that you need some space and then maybe going yes. for that walk or for that drive right it's so incredibly important exactly. and we all struggle with communication and how we process things. But again, there are tools there that we should use so that we can make have better relationships moving forward. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this question. Because it wasn't all bad with Alan, you, you loved him dearly. And even Absolutely. though, even though sometimes he struggled with how he showed it, he loved you dearly as well. So if you could do it all over again, would you? Yes. Okay. I would. Tell us why. Because he actually did love me deeply. And I actually believe I helped him grow um, toward even before we knew he was uh, sick, he was actually getting a little bit better about the silence because um, like, Three, two, three, four weeks later, I'd find out that he actually was mad at me three weeks ago. And I'd say, dude, I, there's nothing I can do about that now. If you told me three weeks ago, we could have figured this out. So you got to talk to me sooner. And that was a pattern that repeated. Uh, a couple of times he would say things to me like, well, I, I accept your apology. And it's like, excuse me, didn't do anything I need to apologize for. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that. So I think I helped him to grow. I know he helped me to grow. He pushed my career in directions I never would have gone that actually made me very, very happy with my career and my work. Good, good. You know, to me, and I'm not trying to beat up on anybody here, but when we talk about how do you love, how do you argue, how do you fight? I have to say, I mean, there are a lot of ways that are good. There are a lot of ways that aren't good. I just continue to think like hitting below the belt is probably the worst one. Um, 
I think that when we are arguing with somebody, when we're fighting with somebody, like there's a way to keep things above the fray. Would you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. And yeah, hitting below the belt is not something that is productive. It's not a productive way to grow the relationship. Um, I actually got pretty good at doing things like noticing his body language when he was angry. And I would say, what would you like me to do differently? And he would tell me. And then we, I would do that and then it would be fine. And it, but if I had a problem with it, I would tell him that too. And I would tell him why. So I think that we, um, I learned some fighting skills and I was working him some of those as well. Right. I mean, look, relationships are not easy. And if I'm being honest, no. <laughs> the more coaching I do, the more I think that not all the time, not all the time, but a lot of the times, like they can be even more difficult the older we get because why? Well, we have more trauma now. We have more pain now. We have more, you know, issues from our past now. We're more set in our ways. So maybe it's harder to kind of like, you know, be flexible and, you know, listen to what the other person needs. Um, would you agree with that? I mean, I, I'm not saying, look, I have, I have clients of all ages that find beautiful, beautiful relationships. Again, I have 72 year old clients that find love again, and it's amazing. But I do just think that the older we get, the a little more challenging it could be. It's not like that young love where you come up together and you have 30 years and you grow together. Now you're, you know, right. if you're dating at, you know, 40 or whatever, you're grown. It's two grown people set in their ways trying to come together. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. And you're very sweet because I just turned 63, but you said 40. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, honestly, the, my relationship with Alan was so much work all the time. It was worth it. I would do it again with him. But part of the reason I'm reluctant to even think about dating again is because I don't know that I have the energy to do that work. Again. So, and since that's the only kind of relationship I've ever known, I don't trust that there are relationships out there that are easier. Right. There that are. Sense? Oh, it makes complete sense. But there are relationships out there that are easier. And there's relationships that are about the same. And there's relationships that are more difficult, right? 100%. Right. Um, you told me something a long time ago. And I want to talk about it really quick here as we start to wind uh, down this episode. You're going to test my memory, aren't you? Go ahead. <laughs> oh, you'll remember. You'll remember. <laughs> so you told me that you would find out, and I don't remember like if it was after Alan passed or exactly what you told me because it was a while ago, but that Alan would rave about you to other people. So... The, the lack of affection that you receive from him, <laughs> you were receiving a lack of affection, but to other people, he would, he would rave about you. And I have some thoughts about that, but first I want you to just give me, you know, your feedback on that. Um, yeah, that, that's absolutely true. And it was after he passed that I found out most of it. And he would just go on and on to people about how amazing I was and how I, in my work, my entire purpose was to bring folks to a child who needed the support that they needed, but the adults on either side of the topic 
were not agreeing on what that support was and that I was completely amazing and I made so much difference for so many kids and he didn't know how I did it, but wow, it was just awesome. And they would tell me this. And he also, before he went in for his last round of chemo, he went to each of our mutual friends who have since left, but we'll talk about that another time, uh, and said, watch out for Karen, take care of Karen. She's going to need support. And they told me afterward that he did that. And I was like, I don't know what to do with that. I have no idea what to do with that. You know, that reminds me so much of the story I told about my dad and myself. I, there's an episode mm -hmm. on it in season one. I think it's entitled um, Love Them Like It's Your Last. Because yep. in, in that episode, I talk about my own struggle with vulnerability. And it's very easy for some of us. This may not make sense. It's kind of nonsensical. But for some of us, it's very easy to be vulnerable with people we don't know or people who we're not super close with. But we struggle more with the people we are close with. I mean, that's what I talk about in that episode. Like I can go on in front of, you know, 50,000 social media followers and kind of like pour my heart out or put it into a book. But when it came to my dad or, you know, some of the relationships since, um, I struggled and still sometimes do with vulnerability. That's kind of what I think happened there. I think that this is a man, Alan, your late husband, who struggled more with you because you were the person he was closest to. And it was easier for him to be vulnerable with people he wasn't that close to. Does that make sense? It actually does make sense because he actually had a pretty rough childhood as well. His mother died when he was five. His siblings were all older than he was. So he had some issues with uh, being vulnerable and showing that vulnerability and feeling like uh, people looked for that in order to attack him. Mm -hmm. So I think that I also was reaping what others had sown yeah. in him. So let's do a lightning round here. Okay. You ready uh -oh. for it? Okay. Yep. Get, go. <laughs> First question. Why is your dog so cute, but such a pain in the butt? No, that's not a question. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> um, I'm going to say because he's a Pomeranian and the, all, the whole world revolves around him. Okay. I got it. <laughs> so what would you tell to somebody who's currently in a relationship with somebody who gives the silent treatment when they're upset? I would say recognize that that is a form of abuse, call them out on it and seek assistance if you need to. Okay. What would you say to somebody who wants to be more vulnerable with their partner, but for whatever reason, they really struggle with it. They want to be deep down inside. They want that, but they really, really struggle with it. What would you say to them? start out with writing them notes, little short notes, because it's easier to be vulnerable and open in writing than it is face-to-face -face and talking. I love that. And that's actually something I do. When I talk about still sometimes I struggle with vulnerability, mm -hmm. it's harder in person. So it's easier for me in text or with notes or et cetera. That is great advice. Absolutely. Last question. The eight year, correct me if I'm wrong, I could have this wrong. And if I do, I apologize. But the eight year, something was yesterday. Tell us what yesterday was, because I don't want to mess it up. 
Yesterday was the eighth anniversary of Alan's death. Okay, that's what I thought, but I didn't want to mess it up because sometimes that's I'm okay. stupid. So you and I both believe in an afterlife of some kind. We both believe, yes. I, I believe I'll see Michelle again. You believe you'll see Alan again. Yep. <laughs> Should I ask this question? Fuck it. Oh, go ahead. We've been friends forever. That's right. So if Alan is listening to this episode and he's like, Karen, I cannot believe <laughs> you are telling people about how we fought. You're going to be in do. trouble when you go up there, Karen. <laughs> what do you, what do you say yeah. to Alan today? <laughs> I say, look, dude, if you had changed faster, I wouldn't be having this conversation. Thank you for listening to the Gonna Love Me Too podcast. For information on my books, coaching, virtual workshops, live events, and more, visit my website, johnpolocoaching.com. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you know somebody that can be helped by this podcast, don't be shy. Let them know it exists.